Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, back in the studio. Hey, Great to have you back. The, well, you know, and I thought about you last week. Oh, you did? I did. I, you know, I started to call you, you know, and say, hey, man, I'm out here watching the waves come in and uh, I was enjoying some great time. That was my, brutal. Yeah. Hawaii's must be pretty bad. Though, <laughs> it, you was know? it was tough. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> but right. It was tough, man. I tell you, I mean, you know, that's a place I could live. I mean, you know, there's not a lot for if you do the things that we do, you right. know, like hunting and fishing and stuff like that. A lot of fishing, but uh, not, not a lot, lot of hunting. hunting right? But, uh, right? Man, it was great. I mean, it was it rained a little bit in the afternoon. It was we got up one morning and we had, we're staying in a condo. Would you believe this now with no air conditioning in Hawaii? In Hawaii, but it was set, it was perfectly set up in a position. It was wind blowing. On so you had the breeze coming all through all the time. I mean, that's it was great. Like a wind tunnel, and I got up one morning. Didn't have any shoes on, walking around barefooted. And I said, my feet are cold. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, I mean, it was just, hey, you know, I mean, uh, but I thought about you. I actually, well, I had, well, maybe, well, okay, I didn't think about you. Uh, I, you know, if we're just going to be brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we did miss you. So <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was a fun trip. My wife and I both enjoyed it. We desperately needed it. And uh it was a good thing for us to do. We've got some great guests today. We've got a we great do. program. And I know I know, I mentioned the Ukraine and the Crimea and all that stuff and all this things going on over there. But we are we did have some questions that came in this week from Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. Right. And reminding everybody that they can always ask us questions for the program at Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. But the reality was these questions, one about retirement, which we'll talk about at the end of the program. But this one, it was one about what happens if we have a crisis. A crisis. And uh, which I think was basically couched in around what if we go to war? What if Europe goes to war? So if it deteriorates from here and turns into what we would consider a real crisis, a real what do crisis, you do? not what we're talking about right now, because this, I think, what must have been Wednesday or maybe Tuesday when I got the call. And uh, I mean, the question came over and, and uh, the reality was, I think that's when they it was prior to the airplane situation that was right, which has heated up a ton in the last basically three days. I think it's been going on now for a week. But I think it's now just saturating everything. But prior to that, when all of this was going on, I think people were – there was some concern, you know, what happens to the market because the market might have dropped a little bit, 100 points, I think, on Tuesday. So the re- reality is we're going to answer the questions. We're going to come up with some thoughts at the end of the program, in the last fourth of the program, the last quarter hour, about what to do. So that's so good. But why don't you introduce what we've got coming up, and then we'll take our break. 
Sure, we've got a great show for you today. We've got Mac Bailey coming up. Mac is an attorney with the Bailey Law Firm. We're going to talk about some elder uh, care law and things that impact uh, people who are dealing with that By the situation. Way, elder law is elder for law? old lawyers. Old lawyers, that's yeah, what that's that means. That's is. right. You know, everybody thinks it's something that's just old lawyers. And so, old lawyers. Yeah, we'll get him to explain it to us. That's right. And we're also going to have Rob Clement. And Rob, right. of course, is an advisor in our office, uh, again, talking about some of the issues we deal when dealing with these elder issues. With the elder issues. So it's got a great program coming up. A great program. Back and talk about the crisis at the end. We'll come back and talk a little bit about the Ukrainian crisis. It's been very interesting how the markets have reacted. And, of course, this is a crisis or a situation that's evolving daily. Uh, we didn't really think it was as much of a crisis now. It's a little bit uh, a little bit uh, dicier today than it was a week ago. Absolutely. And I want to hear your thoughts on Janet Yellen and her comments Wednesday. So That's right. Janet I, I, had a press had conference. It uh, went pretty well. Yeah. Uh, some interesting guidance I'm, coming I'm looking, out of, of the Fed. Looking forward to that. So, uh, uh, she dropped the 6.5% requirement for unemployment. That yes, was a great thing to do. I think so. Let's think so too. Yeah, that's a good point. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, check out what's going on around town with traffic and weather and see what's happening in New York uh, before the market opens. But stick around and we will be right back with Mac Bailey. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. Of course, there's always three ways you can listen to us. You can go onto the radio to AM 990. Go onto the internet, search for our homepage, kwam990.com. Just click on watch and listen live or go to the app store. Search for our free app, uh, KWAM 990, and listen to us on your mobile device. I'm Keith Quinn here you with know, Jim Shoemaker. I failed to ask you this because, I mean, we had the first opening of the NCAA last night. We and, did. And, uh, Exciting. I love this tournament. And you, I, you know, I know you're into this big time. So, <laughs> I, you know, I know our listeners are waiting and anticipated. Who are you? Who's your top? Finishing four, the top four, your final four. Oh, well, do you want my do you want my dream list or the uh, the one you put all the money on? <laughs> you know, so. I filled out two brackets this year, well, and I'm one sure bracket, just, North Carolina, is two. winning. That's yeah. right. So well, I always that, that have that. Your, that is definitely uh, your dream list. That <laughs> is that is well, it is my dream list. But with North Carolina, there's always a chance. Okay, so you know, true. I will take that, and I'm never going to be in a position where I they're winning and I'm not uh, you know pulling for them or didn't have them in my bracket. But that's my second bracket, I had Louisville winning, which kind of is going a little bit against the convention. Wisdom, grade, yeah, because yeah. you know a lot of people are saying Michigan State. Well, you know, I had to say it. I think Michigan State playing is playing some of the best basketball, and they seem to have a power. I mean, their defense is strong, very strong. So, you know, it'll be fun as they for get us. healthy. They're they're really good, but they haven't been healthy all year, and I don't know how well they're going to play together. And I don't think they're going to make it all the way. So, to the final so game. you don't have University of Memphis in your final four? I do not. I do have him winning today, though. Well, that's, that's <laughs> and that's important because they play tonight. Important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for our guest today, we have guys that could easily make the final four in any category. <laughs> that's right. You think so? Maybe, I think so. Uh, well, and again, we have Rob Clement from the office, and Rob's a financial planner with us and works with a lot of people that fall into the category of the elderly. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's. I guess I'd fall into that category, wouldn't it? Never, don't go there. Let's just stop that. <laughs> but do we have this old lawyer here, and uh, he is—he uh, does specialize in elder law, and I'm going to give him a chance. It's Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm, who really concentrates his entire practice around estate planning and taxation, asset planning, charitable gift, business succession, and, I mean, really— Elder law, and I can remember the first time I met Mac, and I remember going back years ago meeting my first person, who first lawyer, who said I specialize in elder law, and you know it, it, that's twenty five years ago, really. And again, that was kind of a, okay. What does that mean? So, 
I think, Mac, let's get a good definition because a lot of people, I mean, for our listening audience, what does it mean for someone to say, I specialize in elder law? Well, to clarify, elder law has nothing to do with the age of the lawyer. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> elder law has to do with the age of the client served by the lawyer. Yeah. And elder law are basically concerns legal issues of older Americans, such as estate planning, wills, trust, powers of attorney, long-term care planning, Medicaid, veterans benefits, and probate. And when you mention all of those things, that's a very complicated I mean, let's just deal with veterans' benefits. That's a complicated – in fact, I think for our listening audience, and I know that's so important, I think most of our people don't know what benefits when we talk about veterans' benefits. So just for a few seconds, lay that out because that's, a, that's tremendous information for our listeners. I think it's a very unknown benefit. Um, veterans' benefits are available for veterans and widows or widowers of veterans to help pay for their long-term care costs. Mm-hmm. It's commonly referred to as aid and attendance. And it's very easy, not easy to get. It does need someone like yourself, a lot of paper. But once you got it, it does really benefit that, that widow uh, or the veteran. And uh, that's all very important. It's something that you do all the time. That's correct. For a widow, um, they could simply receive over $1,000 per month for the rest of their lifetime. Or a veteran could be as much as $2,000 a month for the rest of their lifetime. Well, I think that's, I mean, if we stop the program right now, that was worth the worth the program because people forget that they could do that, Keith. And well, and that's what I wanted to ask Mac. Do you run into that situation a lot where people don't realize they're entitled to these benefits, especially the widows and the spouses? Absolutely. I mean, knowledge is very, very important. That's part of our job is to provide the knowledge to the client so that they can take advantage of these benefits. All right, so we talked about an elder law. We've definitely said they're not, does not mean the lawyer is old. So now we're talking about dealing with the specialty of that group of people that have now gotten to this point in their life where they're focusing around those needs of, of all the estate planning, the, the charitable giving that they made to think about. All right, let's, let's go through this process. Then if we talk about, let's kind of give me the scenarios, Mac, and then Rob, pay attention because I want you to be thinking about where we as the firm work with someone like Mac back and forth, because give us the, the scenarios, Mac, when you say, okay, I'm working with a client. In walks a client. They're in their 70s. They've got children. Walk me through what type of conversation you'd have with them. Our most common client is someone that comes in and they're faced with um, having to be admitted to a long-term care facility in the very near future. And their primary concern is having to pay for that long-term care cost, which can be fairly exorbitant. Yes, And so we walk them through what methods or strategies are available for them to help pay for those benefits and pay for that type of care. And it can range from private pay to long-term care insurance to Medicare, Medicaid, and the veterans' benefits we just discussed. You know, when you think about that, I mean, this is that most of the time, and and Mac, help me with this, and and Rob, I guess both of you again, I want to ask both a question because you've had to do this with clients, but... When you sit down with a client and you've got the children in the in the office with you, Rob, how do you couch it moving to this? Who makes that final decision when you're working with them? Because a lot of times the, the client says, I don't want to go to you know, a nursing home, but yet there is a point where they're having to be encouraged at least to seek out some type of help because they can't take care of themselves. What do you do with that? How do you manage that? Well, it's a, a very important conversation because uh, – uh, what happens is there's a lot of uh, emotion that's involved because mom or dad uh, are feeling a sense of they're losing control. And, uh, and 
working closely with our, our folks in the legal profession like Mac uh, to make sure that we have all the documents in place, powers of attorney, uh, both health care and uh, also to make sure that we are, are working with the children to understand and recognize that maybe mom and dad don't have the same abilities that they used to have. And, uh, and so that's a very important part of what we do is being able to recognize and counsel people along those lines. So when you get to that point, Keith, and I'm thinking from our perspective, we're sitting down, we've got assets that we're working with. Mac, when you, when you, you want to pay for long-term care, that's kind of we've got into that scenario where we're helping someone decide to make that decision. Give me some ways that you might go through the payment for a long-term care plan. I mean, this is expensive. As you said earlier, you talked about veterans. I know that would be one, one of the ways to do that. So what are some of the other ways that you can pay for long-term Long-term care, that being, I guess, being put in a nursing home or something. Well, the primary government benefits available is called Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And Medicaid is a uh, eligibility program for impoverished seniors. And it assists them with paying with their skilled nursing or at-home care. Um, And that's available in almost all 50 states, including the state of Tennessee and Mississippi. So, but Medicaid, impoverished, what does that mean? That's a big word. Um, When you apply or become eligible for Medicaid, they're going to look at your income and your assets. And so you have to have be below a certain income level and your assets have to be below a certain level. Can you give me the numbers? Sure, absolutely. Um, When they're looking at your assets, for example, they're going to categorize it between exempt and non-exempt assets. Exempt assets are assets that the applicant can own and still be eligible for Medicaid. Non-exempt assets, they have to spend down. Examples of exempt assets, one is the residence, okay. and it's over $500,000 in value. That's a federal number. Um, you can also have an automobile, and you can have prepaid barrel policies. Uh, you can have a cemetery plot in Headstone. Um, community spouses, spouses at home, can keep all their retirement account assets, uh, but the person that's applying can normally only have $2,000 in cash in the bank. Okay, so now let me, I think, Keith, what we're thinking about here is you've got uh, mom and dad or, you know, the, the husband and wife. And you've got two people that you're talking to. And, Mac, you just mentioned it. I've got, let's say, Dad is going to have to go to a nursing home. But Mom's going to continue to live in the home. Yet retirement benefits. Is that retirement benefits of Dad? Can they keep those retirement benefits and be paid to Mom? Are those exempt is what I'm asking. Yeah, the uh, applicant's retirement accounts are not exempt. Not exempt. But the community spouse or the at-home spouse, mom for, in this in example, situ- yeah. can keep her retirement accounts, including IRAs, qualified plans, things of that nature. So oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, if the applicant is facing this and having to go into a nursing home uh, and they have these assets that would disqualify them from Medicaid, can they uh, retitle those assets? Can they somehow get them out of their state so they would be entitled to, uh, to Medicaid? There are a number of strategies available where you can basically convert non-exempt assets to exempt assets, and that's part of the planning process that we walk our clients through. All right, give me the big picture of that and why that's important to do, the the, the planning strategies. Well, the the big picture is the fact that long-term care can cost anywhere from $6,000 to $9,000 a month. Right. And so a client that comes in with three or $400,000 or even $500,000 in assets that $9,000 a month is going to deplete their current assets fairly quickly. Now, let me, let me put that in perspective. Mom and dad, dad's going into a nursing home. You got 500,000 assets. And, you know, that's not a lot, but to some people, that's a substantial amount of money. It's half a million dollars. That's the way to put it, half a million dollars. <laughs> and all of a sudden, though, they got this nursing home cost. 
I mean, mom can't take care of them. Children are dispersed all over the world today, as like it is. It's not like it was a hundred years ago, where they took care of each other in the in the home. So you got this going out, and and so they're trying to, and all of a sudden, dad's going to deplete everything within a very short period of time. How, go back through this. Help me again. How do I get this out of that man's estate? What do I do? Well, the first thing we're going to look at is see what exempt assets they have currently. Okay. So if that they, would be the home, right? Probably. Absolutely. The residence. Right. And we can do things with the residence. We can make improvements to the residence so that we can put in a handicapped restroom or bathroom in the house okay. if we needed to. We can replace the roof. We can repaint it. Um, so we can make additions to the home. Because remember, the exemption amount is over $500,000 for a house. Okay. Uh, second thing is we can fill in the gaps where they don't have particular exempt assets, such as barrel policies or uh, cemetery lots or headstones, things of that nature. Things that they need to make some planning in on anyway, so that's one thought. Okay. Absolutely. We can also enter into contracts between the parents and the children for the children to take care of the parents. That's called a personal care agreement. And the parents can actually pay the children for that care, and that particular payment is not a gift, so therefore it's not a disqualifying transfer for Medicaid. Interesting. That's very interesting. I that's like that a, one. That's a very good. That's a very good plan. I, I wasn't so. So the contract that would be something that we'd come to your office to get you to draw to draw up for this family that we're talking to. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That just shows all that you can accomplish through planning. I mean, you know, the, the, to really spend the time on it is so worthwhile. Well, again, I guess I want to ask Rob before we take the break. Rob, elder care, why – that was a great – I mean, Max just given us some great ideas. Great ideas. But why is it so such a significant topic? I mean, why is it something we should be talking about all the time? Well, we just look around us, and we see that uh, our seniors are living longer. Uh, we look at where our grandparents, how long they lived, and then we look to see how long our parents have lived or are currently living – and uh, and we begin to look and see that, you know, it's critical because uh, in the next 25 years, senior population is expected to double to 70 million people. And the thing that really is just overwhelming for most people is that your last year of life, the expenses represent sometimes 22% of your total total medical spending in the United States. So we're talking about that's a, that's a big cost and... So some planning at this point, that's why Max specializes in that elder law, and it's not an old lawyer. It's not an old lawyer. Exactly. Great points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We got to take a break, but when we come back, I want to really kind of dig into a couple of things about the veterans' benefits. I like what we talked about there. And then how do you manage all these finances and stuff? And so we'll come back with Mac and Rob. Stick around. We'll be right back with Mac Bailey and Rob Clement. PBS Radio Network. Welcome back to Talk Money. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every week from 8 to 9 here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results. Well, we've got to, at the end of the program, we're going to be sure that everybody knows we're getting to our questions that we get when we go to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. Anybody can send us a question. Uh, about what they would like to hear on the program or a question they would like to specifically ask, talk money at com. 
Maker Financial. We have two. One's about retirement and, and planning and some of the statistics around this and some of the fact that people need to be thinking about goals and what they're going to do for retirement planning. And that's a question I think we get a lot. It's kind we of do. amazing. But the other one I thought was extremely important, if we have this crisis in the Ukraine, Russia, Europe, all this stuff, what should we do? Is it is it a time to run to the hills? And, and we're going to cover some topics about that. And I think it's a good question. Uh, but I think we'll give you four or five things that everybody can kind of take back and say, okay, good, good a thought. But I hope it doesn't devolve into a crisis, well, but we, we will see, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't think it will, at least I personally don't. But you know what? It's a hotbed over there. You never know when you get Putin going. and It's, it's a fluid situation that is. we don't have a lot of control over. So, But we, we're going to give you some ideas. Of we what, will give you some ideas. Some thoughts that we can that. do. So that's coming up later on in the program. But currently, we're talking to Mac Bailey and Rob Clement. Mac Bailey, Bailey specializes in elder law, and we've kind of been kidding a little bit about this elder law. And the reality is, though, that's a specialty that Mac has taken his practice, and he's the senior partner of the practice and does a tremendous job. And again, you know, I think, Mac, we want to give you an opportunity as we come through about how somebody could engage you, because the reality is there's so much about this topic that we've had on the air here before, a lot of questions, Keith, that we've had, and I think people need to be sensitive to it about how do you manage this part of our life, because a lot of us see ourselves in a situation where you've got elder parents and you may have young kids, and so you count that we call that the sandwich gen- your generation. You're caught between taking care of two sets, and that's a difficult well, situation. You, you really are, and when we were doing a little bit of research about this and thinking about the, you know, the topic of elder law, you know, something that I hadn't thought about is there's a much higher rate of divorce among elder people now, and so they don't have the spouse that could potentially Absolutely. care for them, which makes it even more important to think Absolutely. about the planning aspects. You're, you're exactly right. So with both of you guys, I, I appreciate you being here today, and we want to kind of get into this. And, and Mac, I have a question for you because we get this a lot. How do you manage, how do you work with the with the financial side of a person who's been incapacitated? Now, I'm talking about he's had a stroke, he's a cancer survivor, or, you know, at the stages. And all of a sudden, it's to that final point, And everybody thinks that, well, his my spouse can take care of my finances. Or, hey, my kids are on my, my checking account with me. They do a lot of what I call Mm, kind of little planning, but they don't think about it from the big picture. And I know that can get a lot of people in trouble. I'll give you an example of one where I, where a client said, okay, I'm going to put my daughter, she lives here in town. I have two sons. One lives in Seattle and the other one lives in Boca Raton, Florida. So I got two of them. They'll take care of things too, but my daughter's going to take care of my checking account. And he passed away. And of course, all of a sudden, all this money that was in his checking, a large amount of money comes to her. And she said, well, I'll just, you know, it's time to Split it with my two brothers, and you know where I'm headed with that. All of a sudden, there was a gift, and it wasn't a state tax. I mean, all that. So tell us how to get around that. What should we do when we start managing someone who's incapacitated? I think it's important for people to know that a birth certificate or a marriage license is not a power of attorney. Absolutely. Great point. Well said. Hey, you know, he's a good guy. Fundamentals, but people forget that. <laughs> exactly. So the first thing we address is, does the client have capacity to sign a legal document? That's good. If the client has capacity, then we get them to sign a power of attorney or a revocable living trust to basically deal with or provide for future incapacity. When you say power of attorney, let me ask you this question. I don't mean to interrupt you, but people refer to power of attorney and then power of attorney for health care provision or health care reasons. So explain the difference for our listening audience between the two. There's basically two different types of powers of attorney in general. One is more financial and business-related 
Another one is more medical, health care, and personal care related. Okay, for the listening audience again, and I think this is important, if I have a power of attorney for health care provisions, can I say, well, I've got a power of attorney. Does that mean I've got them for both? No. No. And we've run into that uh, a that situation ton. a lot. That's a right. Ton. You think and you have think, a power of attorney and you come to do something and you and don't. You don't. And uh, that's an issue. So go ahead. Now, you're talking about power of attorney, one for health care provision and one for financial reasons. And both of those documents are important. Matter of fact, they're so important that we don't even give the client the option of doing one or, one the, or the other. other. you got to do both. Then, but if the client does not have capacity, then normally we may have to go to court, and that's called a conservatorship. Okay. And a conservatorship is a court process by which someone gets control over an incapacitated person's financial affairs and medical affairs. And the difference between the cost of a conservatorship with no planning versus a power of attorney with, with planning is a wide gulf. You know, and I mean, when he says wide gulf, he's not kidding right. because a conservator, help us with this. I know the conservator has to do things according to Tennessee law, has very little limited amounts of discretion. Everything's pretty, you know, set out for them. And they got to get approved. They have to go to the courts to make sure they're doing things that the judge would approve. I mean, almost walk, every step requires every, court approval. So walk us through that. Most people don't know that, Mac. And I think that's so critical for people to understand. When you compare the cost first from a power of attorney, maybe $400 to a conservatorship could be as much as $20,000. That's where preventative planning really does pay off for the family. And that's very, very important. Rob, when you sit down with a client and you start working with someone through this, and I mean, how do you how do you couch this to move into this direction? What would you say is the steps that you take a person through? Well, it begins with uh, a person as young as 25 to 35, uh, all the way to 45. We call that the accumulator stage of life, where mm-hmm. people are accumulating their assets and just things and stuff. And this is an important time to sit down with young people to help them recognize that they may have a responsibility uh, that will one day fall on them to help lead mom and dad. And then as they move out of their 40s into their mid-40s, into their 50s and 60s, that's the preservation stage. So Mm -hmm. we're talking to clients that really are perked up about the fact that they can, hey, I like the fact that Shoemaker is helping me manage my assets, but what we're seeking to do is to lead them and guide them through all phases of their life. Mm. And that's why we call in our mission statement, building relationships that last a lifetime. So when we're working with clients, we're just not looking at the end of life, but we're le- we're working for them to begin to see early on the importance of long-range planning. So the whole step process where you're making, you know, going through that, Keith, where you're taking a person from step one I like the fact that he started at 25 to 35. I mean, that's a part part there. But then you're moving that whole idea of the process through from the planning side. And I guess when you think about that, that is a process. It is not something it you is. do and stop. That's it's, right. It's, it, a, it's a process ongoing, and, and it should, should be ongoing. Should you know, be. we talk about planning. You should revisit it every year. And well, it's life events. It, it I really mean, is. Events yeah. in life, we don't plan them many times, and they hit us, and we're surprised. And Mac brought a good point up about as we see people with degenerative diseases today and, and Alzheimer's and dementia are great examples of that. But, you know, again, I guess, Mac, when I'm thinking from a standpoint of you said, you know, conservatorship, you said, you know, I think everybody knows now that we've got a distinction between power of attorney. 
But help us understand, because so many times everybody says, well, I was told to get a living will, but it was going to cost me so much, and I decided not to. Help us understand, help the client, the listening audience to understand why it's important that a living will be a part of their estate planning documents. Well, we tell everyone, if you don't plan for your future incapacity or your future medical decision-making, then the state of Tennessee or another government agency will make that plan for you. So when people come in and say, well, I don't have a plan, I go, well, yes, you do. And right now the plan is whatever the state of Tennessee says it is. And And that sure ought to get your attention. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately you know you got to do something. So living will now, tell us specifically the differences. A testamentary will. Testamentary will, okay, I know that's at the end of my life. Here's what happens. But a living will is, is why I'm alive. So to help me understand why would I want to have a living will? A living will or advanced care plan specifically addresses end-of-life decision-making. So you're put in charge of your own end-of-life decision-making. You make decisions regarding life support, organ donation, whether or not you want to be resuscitated uh, through CPR. So these are all check-the-box options on a living will or advanced care plan for you to tell someone else what type of care you would want in an end-of-life decision situation. Okay, now let's think about this end-of-life situation. Living will, do you have to have a living will probated, or is it now going to exempt you? And tell me a little bit about the horrors, if there are horrors, about probation. Well, when you go through the probate process, it's a court process. So you've got lawyers involved, and unfortunately some lawyers are expensive. So I like the way you said that. (laughs) That's a fact. (laughs) So the probate process takes time and it costs money. Mm. And so probate can take anywhere from 9 to 12 months, and it can cost anywhere from 2 to 5% of the value of your estate. Mm-hmm. But if you have a revocable living trust, mm-hmm. some people call it RLTs or living trust, right. then that particular document will help you avoid the cost and time delay of that probate process. And that's important for everybody to understand. So. Let's let's take a break, and then I want to come back and just conclude this and let them summarize really what they should be doing. I mean, this is I think we've talked about some very, very timely subjects. We've talked about the need for all the thoughts about planning and putting it together, long-term care, and, and, and again, we'll get the summary from these guys when we come back. I think that'll be great. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money. But now let's take a break for Rebecca Brazier and a Mid-South History Moment. Stick around. We'll be right back with Mac Bailey. Well, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Mac Bailey and Rob Clement. We're talking about elder law. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Keith Quinn. And uh, we've had some great discussion, guys. This is... uh, it's important. We, I think we've learned a lot. And, and, Mac, you've done a great job with us. And one of the things that I think people do, fail to realize, and I know that when my mom, my mom's last couple of years of life, uh, she had fallen and had broken her uh, hip. And uh, we went through the, all the, you know, the, I guess, rehabilitation. And then, then ultimately we ended up in a nursing home. We just couldn't. My sister lived in Jackson. I lived here. She was in Jackson. Just very difficult for my sister to take care of her. So, we ended up in a very good nursing home, and, I mean, it was uh, well, well, uh, I mean, I love these people. They did a great job of taking care of my mother. Uh, but I, I have to say that one of the things that I kind of tuned in a little bit was to elder abuse. And, of course, I didn't see any of that, not even thinking that way. But I know that does happen in today's society. What do you look for from your perspective? How do you manage that? What would you give counsel to our listening audience? Sure. Well, there's two types of elder abuse. One is physical yeah. and one is financial. 
on the physical side, you're obviously going to be looking for. And I couched it. I'm sorry. I couched it with a nursing home. I, I really shouldn't have done that, but that's where I was thinking. Reality is this can happen from family members, from next-door neighbors. I mean, you and I, we could talk a lot about, I mean, where the next-door neighbors come in. I just had a case where we had a person doing, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It can be the, the trusted friend that all of a sudden becomes uh, abusive. Right. You're going to look for the physical signs of it, bruising, uh, things of that nature. You're also going to look to see if the family members are verbally abusing uh, the elder. On the financial side, you're going to look at depletion of resources or overpayment for certain items, such as $500 to cut the yard, which we've had happen before. So those are the types of signs that you're going to look for. And if you see those signs, then you can either contact Adult Protective Services, you can contact the district attorney's office, or you can actually contact a civil attorney an elder law attorney to help investigate the potential elder abuse. Like the Mac Bailey Law Firm. Yes, sir. Okay, 901-843-2760. Let me tell that again. 901-843-2760. That's Mac's telephone number. If you've got anything like that or any question that you've got that Mac has raised for you today, give him a call. We'll give out his number again later on the program. Also, we'll talk to you a little bit about uh, his email address and things like that, but Mac, you, you know, I appreciate so much what you what you do, number one, the way you do it, the, the professionalism that you have, uh, and you're always a great guest for us on, on the show here, too. So thank you, sir, very much. Thank you. Rob, in, in closing, here we are. We're in our office. You're, you're de- sitting down with a couple, and you've got this, this whole issues of going on. Give us the 30,000-foot view of what you're going to try to take someone who's in their 70s and guide them through to put their estate together. And we only got about 30 seconds, so sorry about that, guy. No problem. <laughs> well, I'd actually back it up and say uh, for those that are in their late 30s and 40s, it, that's an important planning place to, is to start there. And uh, and what we're actually seeing is that there are more people today that at a younger age that are making and deciding, hey, I do need some type of long-term care coverage. So we're seeing that age drop. When you get to be 70 and you start planning, it begins, like Mac was saying, it begins to be more expensive for people the older they get. So our recommendation is let's start young and let's make sure that we stay in contact and follow up consistently on what their needs are. You know, and you're talking about asking a lot of questions. Right. And getting inside someone's helmet and saying, okay, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And and Rob does a wonderful job of guiding that through. Mac does a wonderful job. I mean, it's the bottom line is, is these two guys are dedicated to the client and trying to guide them through, I think, a maze that's very difficult to understand sometimes. I think it really is, and I think you're right. Both uh, Both great advisors for clients. Absolutely. So Medicare, Medicaid eligibility, we talked about that. We talked about veterans benefit eligibility, and that's good. You know, talked about ways to get into the long-term care, and, and, and Mac did that. Rob talked about long-term care. We talked about, you know, managing the financial numbers of a person that's incapacitated. What do you need to do? Then conservatorship, powers of attorney, dist- distinguish between the two. So I look at this program, and I'd say, you know, we got a lot of good information today. A lot of great information. And good people. Good people, and I would encourage anyone, if you have any issues, if you want to contact Mac, just reach out to him at the Bailey Law Firm. And, again, that number is 901-843-2760. All right, now let's go into our questions. And this is the question that we got, 501, I mean, if, we, if you're talking to us, 901, excuse me, 
Uh, it, you could call us, I guess, at the office, 757 Sure, if you want to set up an appointment with Rob, Rob, if you want to come in and talk about that. Sir. That, or you can call us if you've got a question, or go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. But here's the question. If we see a crisis, if Russia invades, if Russia creates the problem, if we go to war, you know, this is you know, a lot of questions there, and what do you do in a crisis situation? Well, all right, let's couch it this way. Regardless of that, if you have a thought in your mind that a crisis could occur, the, you know, we talk about the black swan, anything like that. The market could go into a deep recession, could burst or anything like that. That's an issue. And so what would be the things that you would do? All right. First of all, you need to. And again, we wouldn't normally say that you want to own treasuries. But if you have a crisis mentality, a treasury portfolio, some part of your portfolio, not a lot, but some part of your portfolio ought to have treasuries in it. Well, if you have a crisis mentality, and, and we're also seeing that a little bit in the emerging markets. As the Fed goes through tapering, you'd mentioned earlier Janet Yellen had a press conference this week. They're, they're scaling back the uh, tapering of quantitative easing, another $10 billion. That is making the U.S. a more attractive place to invest. So what I mean by that is as interest rates come up uh, and you can get a b- relatively risk-free rate of return, money is coming out of emerging markets, which are more risky, back to the U.S., which is basically no risk on U.S. Treasuries to get a little bit higher yield. So, yeah, if you have a crisis mentality, a U.S. Treasury is a very safe investment. Well, you think about it in 2000, fall of 2008, Treasuries we had did great. a huge move into the Treasury market. And, of course, they stabilized a lot of people's portfolio. you got to realize that if you go there, you got to be willing to get back out. Now, but I would say this, and I think this is a huge caveat. Do not have a crisis mentality. Well, that's <laughs> what we're trying to say. If that's your thoughts, if that's here's your thoughts, what you're doing. That's right. Then we're going to close with the end of, end of the day saying, nope, that's not what you right. need to do. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back with the remaining two or three items that we talk about. If you're going to have a crisis. If you're going to have a crisis mentality, we've got some tips for you. Okay, all right. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about some other strategies if you have a crisis mentality and looking at the Ukraine, uh, and also talk a little bit about what happened to Flight 370. Stick around, we'll be right back. Dan Cates at MarketWatch.com. Well, I guess I'm, we're back because I didn't cut my microphone off while ago, and I'm saying bye to Mac and all this, guys. And you know, hey, you had a. <laughs> it's called live radio. That's and, right. You know, I just I took my headset off, and I was telling them bye and thank you so much for the program. And so you take a couple of weeks off, well, and you're totally out of rhythm. I'm totally out of rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it goes. You know? Yeah, that's right. Oh, but let me remind everybody: it's eight four three two seven six zero eight four three two seven six zero. If you want to give Mac a call. Uh, we encourage you to do that. There, that's uh, He just covered a ton of stuff. And, of course, Rob, anytime at the office, great person working with elder people. And, he is, uh, and Max a great and, attorney. And, and Max a great attorney, very, very uh, well thought of here in the city. Does he definitely does a wonderful is. job. And uh, his telephone number, get 843-2760. And, of course, uh, Ma- uh, Rob's telephone number, 757-5757. Now, I like the way you said it. You did a great job because <laughs> I'm thinking the question was, what happens if it's a crisis and what should I do? You're right. Don't don't get caught up <laughs> right. in thinking about it. I forgot about that. But I thought it was a great question, and I thought, all right, I'll prepare something for that and think through that And from a standpoint. But the reality is 
if you if you think about it, it's best not to get caught up in that mindset, that emotion. It's and that I think the, fear exactly. But it now is an this emotional person thing. was listening to a particular news network that was painting the horrible picture of a crisis and all that kind of stuff, and I understand that. So I know we have listeners that are going through that, and so I said, okay, let me think through that, and so I shared with him, and I thought, well, this is what the this is what right. listeners need. So again, but you're right, you you hit it so well there, and I think it's so important. People need to avoid that emotion of fear and crisis. But I also think that you made a great point. And the thing about emotions are, is that's a legitimate feeling. So if you feel that it's legit because that's how you feel. Well, that's number two. I said the first one, if you ought to have some treasuries, you know, in your portfolio, we saw that in 2000. Treasuries are a great crisis hedge. Very good crisis hedge. The second one, and a lot of people don't even think about this, is natural resource. If you have a war going on, a natural resource type of portfolio, not again, we're not talking about there's risk in this. Everything we're talking about is risk and past performance is never an indication of future performance. The reality is think through it, but natural resources in the time of a war always are escalated because when you look at, you know, it's gas, it's oil, it's it's agriculture, it's everything that's affected by war. Well, it definitely is. And especially in this case, when we start looking at, you know, Russia provides a lot of the energy to Europe and a lot of that goes through pipelines that run through the Ukraine. So specifically in this case, uh, there will be a lot of issues if there were a shooting war for natural resources to make them more expensive. So that's just a thought process for you, something about natural resources. And again, everybody says, here we are in a crisis. Should I have all my portfolio in gold? Never all of your portfolio in gold. Never. But again, we design portfolios around some small percentage. And again, in a crisis, if you've got that mindset, a small percentage of a portfolio in a commodity, we call it would be precious metals. Uh, We think that's a good way of, of hedging. Uh, and gold would be a precious metals, and that's just a thought again. And again, it's not an indication of future performance just because you've seen past performance, but we're talking about in the case where you have a fear, and again, trying to control that emotion, you want your portfolio a little bit, you got treasuries, that's a safety valve, you got some natural resources, you got some you know, precious metals, those are three very fundamental things. And, and we've done some research on this, looking at gold, and gold is traditionally thought of as a hedge against inflation. And we found that it's not really as much of an inflation hedge, but it is a pure crisis hedge. Well, no, and here's the thought about it. You know, it doesn't pay you an income. doesn't pay you an income. And it fluctuates just like everything else. So you, it's a risk. And, but, but again, it, you, if you're going to say, I feel there's a crisis, and you're looking at that, and you're willing to say, I'm going to put some into, my, into, into precious metals, okay. But you're taking a risk that if that doesn't happen, you know, that's an issue. Well, and one of the things that we talk about a lot, whenever you have that crisis mentality, you are, by definition, timing the market. Absolutely. So the fourth thing that I want to talk about is is emerging markets. When everybody gets into this process and thinking about, I mean, you've got Brazil in a crisis. you got Turkey in a crisis. you got Russia in a crisis. you got Ukraine in a crisis. you got all this kind of, Sometimes everybody says, oh, my goodness, this is when everybody jumps out of emerging markets and sometimes when everybody's jumping out of emerging markets, that's a, not a bad time to get into emerging markets. Be greedy when others are fearful. Well, uh, you know, that's a great <laughs> statement. You Did you make that by yourself? <laughs> I, I wish I could claim, <laughs> claim that, that. <laughs> you know, Warren Buffett has that's really right. worked that one hard. But that's a good point. So this is maybe a time to think about buying some of that. Well, I think it creates some opportunities. But I also think, as we talk about a lot, it puts some emphasis on active management. In other words, would I want to own Russia right now? No. But are there a couple of companies in Russia that I might want to own? Yes. Yeah, so you have, but it's volatile. It's you volatile. Have to understand you have to understand that. That's volatile portfolio. So then the, finally, here's the thought for everybody that we've couched is this pertaining to this question. It's, this may not affect our market at all. May not affect our market and at so all. And so everything we've said, 
Take the, take the tape, erase it, because it's not important. So you have to understand, if you start trying to build a crisis portfolio, we've given you four things that's possible. At the end of the day, it may not happen at all. Asset allocation. Diversification. And rebalance every day. And here's the other part of every this. Year. To build a crisis portfolio, there is a huge opportunity cost to that. Absolutely. If you don't have the crisis, the markets continue to behave somewhat normally. You've given away an awful lot. So what I'm trying to say to the client is, is okay, I hear you. Here's some thoughts. But don't av- avoid, don't get caught up in that emotion. Don't get caught up in that emotion. And y- you can't plan for it, so don't. Because, again, it's unknown and unknowable. And it may not affect us and at it all. it may not affect us. Hey, good to be back. It is great to have you back. All right, now tell us where Flight 370 is. I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere, I don't know. But this story has so captured the public's attention. I mean, it's all you see on the news. CNN has been 24-7. We were talking about it earlier. They were talking about the possibility of a black hole having sucked up Flight 370 yesterday. Pretty bizarre. All I'm saying is I'm praying for the families. Uh, I'm praying for the families, but I think if I had to come down one way or the other, it's sitting on the ground somewhere. I agree with that. We will see how the story plays out. Very interesting. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our show today. We've gotten great advice from Mac Bailey at the Bailey Law Firm. Also from Rob Clement. Rob's an advisor in our office. Reach out and make an appointment with him. I'd like to thank Art Frederick, our program director. Jeff Long, our compliance officer. Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator. Rebecca Brazier, who reads our Mid-South History Moments. And Drew Johnson, who writes them. I'm Keith Quinn. And I'm Jim Shoemaker. Join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. CBS News.